What to Know podcast explores best practices, innovation, and latest trends with industry experts with an eye toward helping you, the listener, stay ahead of the ever-changing marketing and communications landscape. Good afternoon. This is Aaron Strout, CMO of W2O and host of the What to Know podcast show. I am coming semi-live to you today with a podcast while sheltering in home during COVID-19. And today I have the good fortune of speaking with a gentleman named Jeff Davidson, who is the co-founder and co-CEO of Camp Gladiator. Welcome, Jeff. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm glad to have you too. And this is going to break a little bit of a string of uh, podcasts we've been doing that have been more COVID-19 related. But the reason I thought this was a good one, especially given the fact that this will come out, I'm thinking sometime in May, is that there will come a point where we will start to return to a little bit of normal normalcy. Uh, I know you're in Austin, Texas, and I think they're starting to do a slow open up of certain businesses, but this is with an eye toward, you know, we do need to be prepared after uh, the wave one at the very least of COVID-19 has hit. And one of the things that you all have done, and we'll get into this, is you've, you've done an amazing pivot and taken advantage of some of these changes that COVID-19 has forced upon us, um, in particular going virtual. So why don't we start a little bit with um, the origin of your company, because it's fun and it's maybe one of the most unique I've ever heard. So um, give us a little bit of your backstory and how Camp Gladiator came to be. Yeah, well, my background is a little bit more of um, sort of following kind of a, a predictable path for someone with a finance and engineering degree and uh, got out of school and, and got into the, the financial world working in investment management and financial planning. And I often tell people that are, that are sort of wired up like me that if you want to, you know, you've got your whole life kind of planned out, but if you'd like to spice things up and maybe have some, you know, more wild, unpredictable twists and turns in your life, there's a shortcut to doing that. And you can do what I did and just marry a crazy person. <laughs> that's my wife, Allie. She is a, very much a living in the here and now millennial, all about fun and spontaneity. And so in typical Allie style, who uh, her whole background was really sports. You know, she played every sport imaginable and college basketball. And we were scheduled to get married. And the morning of our wedding, whenever, you know, we were supposed to be doing all of our normal wedding preparation things, she blew all that off and her and her bridesmaids snuck away without telling anyone and she tried out for the tv show american gladiator and it was a uh, kind of wild uh you know she got to the, the gym where they were doing tryouts and there was like two thousand people in line and she almost missed the wedding but they put the the wedding veil on her and her garter on and they ran to the front and the producers just you know loved this runaway bride they loved the backstory and of course she's a great athlete so she did really well in the tryout and uh, then she you know finishes and races back to the wedding chapel about 30 minutes before the wedding and it's time to get her hair thrown up. And I think they just kind of sponged her down and uh, put her dress on her. And uh, I have no idea any of this happened. We then get married and we go to our reception and we're actually about to be announced to the reception. And, and we're out in the lobby of this hotel. And she says, babe, you're not going to believe what I did this morning. And uh, I had immediately thought like, um, like little gifts were becoming kind of a big thing. I thought, Oh my gosh, she got me something. How sweet. And she's like, what? No, I tried out for American Gladiators. And I was like really confused and uh, thought that was odd. But we, uh, we went to our reception, went to our honeymoon. And sure enough, we get back from the honeymoon and the producers called and said, Allie, we'd love for you to 
come out to LA and, and be part of uh, the TV show and, and be on this next season. And uh, so that was exciting, cool for her. It gets a little bit one more of a twist here. So she gets out there and after a few days, she's talking with the executive producer and she pitches them on me coming out and tells them what a great athlete I am, which is mostly a lie. And uh, so then I get the call from the executive producer and I wind up having to join her out there. And we spend the next uh, six weeks living in the Western Bonaventure chasing around gladiators or getting chased by gladiators. And uh, it was a, a really unique uh, time. So I survived. That was my goal. Made it, made it to the semifinals. And then Allie, you know, was kind of born for this moment. Went wire to wire, won the TV show, you know, got $100,000, 15 minutes of fame. And, uh, and so it was quite, quite an experience. And, uh, and so how did that become a business? Well, we came back from, from LA to um, Texas and over the next four months, those shows started airing and we started thinking, man, there's gotta be something more we can do with this opportunity. Of course, I was happy in finance and, and really went back to my day job and, and was loving it. And, uh, and she was really just a year out of school and she had noticed that in the fitness world in kind of the big box gym model, there wasn't anything that reminded her of what it had been like playing on teams all those years. There was no coaching. There was no accountability. There was no community. There was no fun and, and really no purpose to the training. And so she started just thinking there's gotta be something more. And we came up with the idea of camp gladiator, which uh, was uh, and is a, an outdoor fitness program where you have a trainer and, a group of 20 to 50 people that, uh, that meet in a school, a park, or a church. And Allie really designed the program and came up with an amazing way to make it fun and have accountability and, and it, um, really you know, help you get in the best shape of your life. And so, yeah, we launched in uh, 2008 in uh, Dallas, Texas, and this is just coming after the, the grand finale and uh, had 40 people um, in our first ever workout. And so that was about 11 years ago. Well, it's an amazing story, and uh, I should share that in common, we, we talked a little bit about this in our prep, that Blair Claus, who worked for me for uh, a number of years in marketing and now is your director of marketing, she's out on maternity leave right now, uh, but she was telling me this story, and I thought, wow, that's amazing, and I'd heard of Camp Gladiator because I had lived in Austin, Texas for six years, even though you are bigger than just Texas right now, we'll talk more about that in a minute, but um, you know that, that really is about as crazy and twisty and turny a story as you get. And uh, you're a good man for letting her tell you about her, oh, guess what I did this morning? And I, as you were saying, you know, you thought she was going to get you a little gift. Little did you know what that little gift ultimately would be, right? That's right. It was a, a huge uh, turn in our life. And, and now I'm, a, I'm not in finance anymore. I'm a co-CEO of one of the fastest growing fitness companies. And I would have never guessed that 11 years ago. Well, you know, we, uh, we get taken in, in strange places sometimes for usually for good reasons. But I think uh, one of the things that I was quite impressed with is we're living in this place, as I preface that, you know, everything's virtual, people are locked down, it's hard to do the things that you did. And obviously, you know, as you mentioned, the idea of getting together with 12, you know, 20, 30, 40 people uh, seems kind of crazy these days. Um, the whole fitness industry as a result of this, sadly, is taking a big hit, yet Camp Gladiator is still thriving and making money, and it sounds like a lot of this was 
a result of probably some of your financial acumen and some of your wife's competitiveness. Uh, but you made this decision not too long ago to change your entire business model in just a matter of days and going from physical to virtual. And hopefully you'll be able to maintain the, the physical as well over time. But tell us about this bold move and how it paid off. And were you and Allie a little bit nervous about going down this path of such a dramatic change? Yeah, yeah, it has been a wild last couple of months, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, we, I know we'll talk a little bit more about our business model and how we've scaled, but, you know, we have a, a thousand partner trainers that are on our platform, and we really don't view our, ourselves as a, as a single business. We view ourselves as a thousand small businesses that roll up on the same platform. And we're always thinking about how do we keep our partner trainers in business and how do we keep them growing and thriving? So I was, uh, I guess the, the last week of February, I was on a, a guy's trip in Mexico on a fishing trip. And with my background in financial planning, investment management, you know, I'd been sort of tracking South Korea and China and, and the whole COVID-19 for a couple of weeks. And every night after fishing, I'd pull the laptop up and I'd, I'd sort of look at their, the stats. And, you know, the big question was, is this going to come to the U S or not? And just by like, really looking at what was happening in Wuhan and, and starting to happen in South Korea, I just started having these like flashbacks to 2008 and being in the finance industry. And it just started to like feel weird and like, Oh man, if this does happen, you know, this, this could be bad. And so we got back and had an executive leadership meeting and just started, you know, talking about, this is like March 1st, like, Hey, this is a, this could hit and this could be really bad. And from what I can tell in China, this is not good for the fitness companies. And this could, be, this could be really big. And it took like an hour, I think, for people to sort of be open to the idea that this could be a big deal. And, you know, we're structured. Allie and I own 100% of the company. We don't have a board. We don't have a lot of bureaucracy. And so when we started to play out the thought experiments of, well, what would happen if, if we had to close? and this would be bad news for the gyms, we started thinking that, you know, we, we might should take some bold action. And so we said, well, what would it take to convert our entire business to virtual in 14 days if we were to do that? And it seemed impossible because you've got technology limitations. You've got a thousand trainers that are training in, you know, schools, parks, and churches across the country and customers that are used to, you know, seeing their trainer in person but we started to build out that, build out that scenario and, um, you know, kind of unleashed each of our teams to go and figure out what would an MVP look like. And we, uh, we came up with a solution of using Zoom as our, our core platform and then integrating with our, our current customer app to where paying campers where they would normally see the location they would attend instead would see sort of a, a Zoom link that would appear only if you were registered. And, uh, and then we went went on the process of, of training all of our thousand trainers and how to do this. And they had to convert their garages or their porches into to filming studios. And we were doing all this and then it just started unfolding. Like the next two weeks, everything that we feared could happen happened. And the government started shutting down the restaurants and, and then the gyms. And we found ourselves, you know, broadcasting first on Facebook live and then taking it to zoom whenever we were to get that technology up and running. And then all the, our competitors basically had to shut down. You know, they spent a week or two trying to offer like free workouts and then they couldn't sustain that position. And uh, all the big box gyms closed. 
all the fitness studios, the CrossFits, they all just closed. And uh, here we were broadcasting our workouts and our customers were so grateful that we were in business that um, our engagement has skyrocketed. It's actually up 50%. People are checking in to our virtual workouts 50% more than last month whenever we were doing physical workouts. And I think they have nothing else to do. And so after retaining our current campers, well, this doesn't really limit us. Now we can, we can stream anywhere. And so we came up with a, a marketing campaign called Choose to Move. And we decided to allow our, our trainers to market to anyone, anywhere. And in the last 21 days, we've brought on board 20,000 new members. We have campers in all 50 states and uh, in 16 countries around the world. And uh, we did that with essentially no marketing budget, but just the benefit of being kind of the only people standing and having an awesome way to deliver a, a butt kicking virtual workout. So it's been wild and it's been hard. We've had teams working double time and weekends and, you know, there's people within any organization that are scared of change and what that can mean. But we've also had the benefit of being laser focused and realizing like this is the only way and our competitors are just, you know, falling off left and right. And we don't want that to be our story. We want to be able to, to rise above. And, and that, that really takes going to some drastic measures. So uh, been a, been a wild last, um, I guess, 45 days now. Well, kudos for doing that. And I was going to ask you a question about your success, but I think, you know, you mostly answered that. I love that competitive angle. I love the fact that you've thought about it as a lot of individual businesses rolling up to, you know, one bigger business. Um, you've got 82,000, probably more than that now, people that have signed up your campers with your thousand trainers and all of your locations across, you know, Texas, Colorado, Florida, Louisiana, North Carolina, Tennessee, and Georgia, and probably now a lot more places now that you're virtual. I do want to drill into something that we started with, though, and that is it's fairly rare for a company to have co-CEOs. It's not unprecedented, but it's rare. Probably even more rare to have co-CEOs that are married running this very successful business, and you've done it clearly for a while. I'm getting a little bit of a sense that you're a roll with the punches kind of guy since, you know, it seems like the year that you and Ali are a yin and yang, but let's talk a little bit about what that's like and maybe how you all divide and conquer in terms of your day-to-day roles. Yeah, sure. Well, Ali and I dated for seven years before we got married and then we, we basically launched our business right after American Gladiators on our, our marriage uh, when we got, when we got married and now we're, you know, 11 years after that. So we know each other pretty well over the last, uh, last 18 years. And we, uh, I don't know that anybody should really embark upon a partnership without very, very aligned values. And Ali and I have always had that. And we also have very complementary skill sets. So we're quite different in, in what we do. And I think that's helpful because if we were too much overlapping, then we'd be in each other's sandbox sort of all the time. But that partnership has evolved over the years. You know, you can imagine the first year we didn't have any employees, zero. It was a mom and pop business. I'm working my day job in finance. Allie is leading classes as our number one trainer. She's doing all of our sales and marketing. And I'm kind of the business guy handling, you know, the website, handling the, the bank account, the contracts, sort of the things behind the scenes. And then we hired one employee our second year and two employees our third year. And as the business has just grown, we've sort of figured out what our 
areas of focus are and what are the things that we really share as co-CEOs. And if you are going to pursue a strategy like that of partnership, it, uh, it definitely takes a lot of work and you have to really stick with it and work through it. But because we had the shared values and we really had a, the same vision of what Camp Gladiator could become, we want to build a great business that positively impacts as many lives as possible. And we want to have a business that's going to last a hundred years. And so we're so aligned in the things that matter most that we've been able to work through our differences. And so today, some of the things we share, we share strategy. We share at the highest level, really thinking through what the company vision is. And we um, also, you know, sort of divide in some areas. And so I tend to manage more of the day to day of our financial side, day to day of the tech side and operations. And she's more hands on in our product in maintaining the quality of our, of our trainers and our offering. And Allie's the face of the brand. She's the fun, creative one that people, you know, that want to talk to fitness, talk about fitness, want to talk to. And so really complimentary of each other um, in that regard. Well, that's a, a good life lesson. I mean, I think one of the things that we talk about at W2O regularly is good communications, you know, usually with your employees or with your clients. And I think also among leadership and when leadership also involves marriage, then that's critical to success. And I can honestly say my wife and I have been together since 1995 and married in 96. And, um, you know, while we don't work together officially, we do do a lot of the same things you all do and have very complimentary skill sets. So it's nice to hear that story. And especially in this day and age where that doesn't always end up being the case. I do want to ask you, you know, one of the things that I'm sure has been a little bit tricky is you work in an area that's very physical, very interactive, very intimate um, with your campers. And you've had to go from that environment to a dramatically different environment where you still can see each other and, you know, still get to work out, but you're doing so in much greater isolation. How have you both dealt with that? And it sounds like maybe Allie even more so than you since she's been one of the, the leading trader, trainers, even though also co-CEO. Yeah, I think we've all kind of at every layer of the business been a little surprised at how well the virtual world is working. Because if you go back like, I mean, even six months ago, the thought that we could host the entire company virtual, that you could roll out a new product virtual, that everybody could be working from their home, you know, we would have resisted that. We, we resisted people that work from home kind of um, on extended periods of time. And that was just hard because we value community and culture so much. And this forced experiment has put us all in this position where we've just had to embrace it. And I think seeing the customers embrace the virtual workout is like, wow, if that can work and if our trainers can make it work and they're really running a lot of the same plays, right? So it's still more than a workout. There's still, there's community, there's accountability. Uh, our trainers will start their, their Zoom workout sessions 20 minutes early and they'll tell campers to come onto the workout session 20 minutes early and they'll use that as a time to just catch up and check on each other and talk about life. And the power of, of Zoom is you've got the two-way um, you know, viewing and most of the digital workout apps and things like that, they didn't have that before. It's just you watching somebody doing a workout and, and you don't have any engagement. And even like what some of the higher end offerings have like a leaderboard, that's not really engagement. 
But whenever you're looking eyeball to eyeball and you're able to correct form and, and notice, you know, how someone's body language is, you're really having a relationship. You're, you're, you're building connectivity. And it translated really well. Our customers have been giving us amazing feedback. And so then you start to think even more creatively. What does a virtual happy hour look like? What does virtual game night look like? At our headquarters last week, we had virtual fun day. Normally, we'll go to a theme park or we'll go to a state park and do hiking. And we just did three hours of skits online. And so we really look at all the things that made our product special and our culture special and said, you know what? There's a way in this forced experiment to do it virtually. And we've just been making it work. Now, we are eager to get back to the physical environment. We're eager to be doing high fives and hugs and in-person happy hours and, you know, being back out at parks. Certainly, that's not going to ever go away. But I think we've been really pleased to the extent to which our, our business has translated through the virtual environment. Yeah, those are all great points. And it is amazing that, you know, tools like Zoom and we're on Ring Central right now, which is based on the Zoom platform, have just made it such a different environment and has forced us to think outside the box and how you can do all these things that you mentioned, including the, the happy hours and there's a tool, you know, that we use today internally and I've used a couple of times uh, just to test on happy hours. We can actually create breakout rooms, right? Sometimes when you have 50 people there and you're trying to talk, it's hard for all 50 people to, to do that at once. So, you know, it's a, an ability to send people off into like three or four or five different rooms and then bring them back together, which is really smart. Who knew that would be a thing? I you mentioned, though, um, you know, we will go back to, to doing the physical at some point in time, although some of us may not. Uh, I certainly look forward to it, the high fives and everything else. Um, but when do you see us going back? Like, have you guys had talks about that? I'm sure you have and what that looks like and how do you run the virtual and the physical, given the fact that I'm sure you're going to have to double down on some resources. Yeah, and uh, you know the complexity that when that comes when you're running a, a regional company that's in you know seven different states and over 300 different cities. That's uh, that's really tricky. So we've been trying to make sure that our technology is agile enough to be able to support different environments in our different regional structures. And so we, um, I guess, a month ago we thought that virtual might just be kind of a, a quick pivot band aid. But with uh, the nature of the virus seeming to, you know, be here for a while, even if it is dampened down a bit, um, and then seeing that there are some customer behaviors that really might change more permanently, and then seeing how well it's working, we've decided that we're going to embrace virtual as an ongoing product. I mean, today it's our only product, but um, the way we're approaching the really reintegration of our actual physical locations is going to be on a sort of rolling weekly basis, region by region, once we've got the, the thumbs up from the, the state and local governments and that we have a thumbs up from our local trainer team that they feel safe and our locations are, are willing to be turned back on, then, then we'll, um, we'll begin to host those, those outdoor workout environments. And we think because we're an outdoor program and we, um, people bring their own equipment and you can actually have an entire 60-minute Camp Gladiator session outdoors and perfectly maintain social distancing, we think we'll be really on the, the positive side of, uh, of when things start turning back on. But there's going to be some consumers that, that want to be conservative and that are going to stay indoors longer and some that just value the convenience. You know, they, they don't want to sit in traffic for 20 minutes 
anymore. They want to be more at home. And, and so that's why we're, we're excited to have the virtual offering ongoing is to help, help not just be a Band-Aid, but to be a bridge and then to actually be a permanent, permanent product that we have in our, um, in our back pocket. That makes sense. And I had not thought about the fact that, you know, scientific data does show that it seems anyway that we're safer outdoors because I guess the virus disperses faster and doesn't necessarily stick to things. And if people are bringing their own equipment, then that works out well. So uh, kudos on that front for having a business that naturally uh, sort of works with the social distancing and some of the new behavior that we'll need to do. Uh, I want to get to our final question. Uh, this is the one that you know many of the guests struggle with, and I know we talked a little bit about the fact that you're not a huge music guy, but you were kind enough to play along. I always like to ask, because uh, I always love to know how people think about these things. You're on a deserted island, and you can only take one album with you. Which album would you take and why? Yeah, well, you know, my first thought was like, hearkening back to my 90s high school and college days, and it was like, okay, which phase of life is it my you know, um, Pearl Jam, Nirvana era, do I go, you know, the Garth Brooks, George Strait country phase that I went in, or uh, uh, maybe college when it was Rage Against the Machine. Uh, but, you know, I started thinking my favorite new artist is this, uh, this Irish guy, um, Dermot Kennedy. Oh, yeah. And he uh, has an um, awesome um, new album out, and uh, it's, it's really powerful without fear. That's it. Without fear, Dermot Kennedy. So I've been rocking that. And, um, yeah, he just has some, some great lyrics, some great, uh, upbeat tones and some depth. And so I think if you're going to be on a, you know, deserted Island, <laughs> you need a little bit of depth and, uh, and you need to be upbeat. So that's what I'm going for. Well, I like it. And, uh, I appreciate you not playing it safe. I know it's always hard and I'm in the process of going through a, uh, pick 10 albums in 10 days and you don't have to say anything about it, but they were meaningful to you. And the hard thing for me is there's probably a hundred of them easily, uh, but I'm going through those methodically and trying to balance the, the new and the old. So uh, I, I like your choice. Uh, with that, this is Aaron Strout, CMO of W2O, host of the What's Know podcast show. You've just spent the last 20-ish minutes with Jeff Davidson, who is the co-founder and co-CEO of Camp Gladiator. Jeff, thank you for uh, coming on the show. And again, congratulations on uh, not only a successful business and marriage, but also a su successful pivot with your business. And I wish you uh, nothing but success going forward. Yeah, thanks for, uh, for having me. Really enjoyed the time and I uh, hope you stay well. Thank you. Want more episodes of What to Know? We post a new episode every Thursday. Subscribe on iTunes, the podcast app, the Stitcher app, or Spotify, and view the podcast page at w2ogroup.com slash what to know.